0: Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the babysitters club. I'm Esther.
1: I'm Eva. I'm Karen. And this is the podcast at Dawn's House. It's not at Dawn's House, we're all at our own houses because we're self-isolating like sensible people.
0: It's the podcast in several different houses. But spiritually we're all at Dawn's House. Today, we are talking about uh, Babysitter's Club number two, Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls.
1: I remember, like, what I remembered from this before I read it was, like, that it was pretty heavy-handed about how you shouldn't let your imagination run away with you. Mostly, still it's not that scary, guys. (laughs) Chill. And I wasn't wrong about that, but there was a ton of stuff I'd completely forgotten.
0: So, yeah, we should probably, like, run through the actual plot, since this one has, like, a lot more plot than the first one. Mm -hmm. So, the girls are continuing to babysit. And then they hear in the news that there's this burglar operating, not in Stony Brook, but in various neighboring towns, who phones the house to see if there's anyone home. And then if there's no one home, he'll break in and steal all their like diamonds. But if there's someone home, sometimes he'll break in and steal their diamonds anyway. So the whole phone thing is
1: kind of pointless
0: mm.
1: mm-hmm. yeah and, and the, the papers have given him the rather melodramatic name of the phantom call <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> because because clickbait existed before clicks basically
1: pretty much yeah and uh, the girls all um, become convinced that he's after them and invent ridiculous codes and do sort of proto home alone style traps yes, <laughs> yes which is amazing but you know in the end it turns out that sometimes oh, when boys like you they're incapable of expressing this by doing anything other than ringing the house that you're in and then hanging up mm. I'm stalking
0: you they're, there's a whole lot of like yeah. stealing their
2: personal data out of Christie's desk but it's fine though
1: <laughs> Yeah, gdpr violations for sure
2: exactly <laughs> yeah so i actually um i i thought the whole uh, Clickbait aspect was pretty believable. Um, the, the scene in which they're all sitting around in, I think it's Christie's backyard, and Marianne is reading a newspaper seems a bit less likely, but maybe that's the kind of thing kids did in the 80s. I don't know. Um, I see
1: kids being bored enough to read the local paper
2: which also, is also it's marianne free.
1: who's a
0: fucking dork so <laughs> it's
1: true she is and they did say they were really bored like they were all true. talking about how bored they were stacy's
0: were... not leafing through the paper although she only reads new york times probably but <laughs> also i love how stacy is so dismissive of this whole thing because the crime in new york is worse like big fucking yeah. swing. <laughs> this doesn't help anyone. I know, like, right. Oh well, at least we're not New York. It's true. Like, actually. Isn't
2: there um there's a, a later one where they go to New York and um uh
0: mm-hmm.
2: one of them, I can't remember who, completely overreacts and is like, I can't go outside because he'll get murdered. I think it's Marianne. Yeah, that would make sense. It's yeah.
1: Marianne. Who was wearing a Laura Ashley dress and looked like something out of the Little House of the Prairie and
2: mortified
1: <laughs> Stacy. That the entire book that one was just Stacy learning how not to be mortified by her
2: friends. Her small town friends.
1: I have to say though, that scene where they're all reading the the the, the newspaper well, Marianne's reading the newspaper. My favorite thing in that scene, which was probably looking back at it, probably Anna Martin's favourite thing writing the book was the other headlines that get read out. I bet she had pages of them and had
2: to only leave in two. Angry pig goes hog wild. I know. (laughs) Depressed trucker
1: drives self crazy. That's so fucking dark. Like (laughs) I know, and they
0: left it in. Some poor man's mental health struggles.
2: I know. I thought that worked really well because like, clearly they're going to pick up on this string of burglaries that maybe is just a bunch of random burglaries, for all anybody knows, and be like, ooh, we have a serial... Burglar <laughs> working in this neighborhood. We definitely want to report extensively on this because otherwise, we're back to covering the feral hog issue again.
1: <laughs> the feral hog issue and a single incident of road rage from a truck driver with mental health issues yes. or whatever that other thing is. Yeah, like he probably doesn't even
0: have mental health issues. They probably just got a picture of a sad trucker and. Hung this whole story in
2: it They got him on a bad day Marianne's
0: been reading The National Enquirer This whole
1: thing is Mm. bullshit So we're pretty sure That the journalistic standards Of the Stony Brook News Are not high
0: (laughs) It probably is a free paper
2: I'm picturing um, That journalist Toby Determined From Gravity Falls Gravity Falls In fairness, Stony Brook had so many mysteries after, you know, a certain amount of time and a number of books have been published that it was basically Gravity Falls. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> with babysitting. No, that's fair.
0: <laughs> and then the other plot is that Claudia is vile to Janine and can't understand why they're not friends. And their grandmother me very diplomatically as like, maybe you should talk nicely to her and see if that helps. <laughs> Maybe is just I mean she doesn't say well have you tried not being a bitch but <laughs> it's what she means oh yeah and lo and behold she tries not being a bitch and they hang out for like five
1: minutes and it's a huge triumph this is like the book full of massive character development for Claudie that is immediately reset buttoned yeah <laughs> For all the rest of them. Like she gets a B plus and a maths test as
2: well. Um Yeah. And she was like, Oh, I'll 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 actually make an effort every test in future and never no. does again. Yeah. I remember I think this was one of my favourites. I just vaguely remember when I got back into it, it was like, Oh yeah, this is really fun. Um, but I hadn't realized that so many of this these kind of plotty things happened in the second book in the series, Um, because I was like, God, I really feel like the whole Janine thing was later, but I suspect it came back around again. And in fairness, that is what being a teenager is like. That's
0: true. Yeah. You just make the same mistakes
1: endlessly. Your
2: problems are not resolved. I wonder (laughs) how
1: many of these books they thought there would be at this stage because mm. i mean i remembered like that for the first one i seem to remember like christy struggling with watson and mm. stuff taking a lot longer but she really seemed to be dealing with it and used to it and maybe not 100 percent delighted yep. and loving him but you know really had gotten over the worst of it by the end of the first book and it was like oh, i seem to remember that taking a while yeah no
0: she's but, just like this is mildly surprising now but i'm fine with
2: it yeah, one book per issue people i I think she um sorry when I say she I think Anna Martin said in one of the end notes that um she had a four book deal at the start so like one per babysitter right. and then it was makes massively popular so it kept uh they kept going and having having the same issues recur <laughs> I suppose but yeah that you know that kind of works they didn't have to resolve it. that
1: actually explains an awful lot then about the issue per book mm. kind of thing and how it's How it seems to be kind of fixed, but then they reset button it because studious Claudia is just like, well, no. no." Well, I think,
0: like, it really seems like an actual good faith attempt to write a character with, like, ADHD or something. Like, the way she Mm -hmm. has to have Mm -hmm. someone sit with her to keep her from getting distracted and daydreaming and stuff Mm -hmm. sounds extremely, like, a sympathetic portrayal of trying to deal with, like, executive function issues and stuff. Doesn't it? But then after this, it's like... No,
1: Claudia's just lazy. It's hilarious. Claudia's Claudia like it. illiterate lol. I, I think. <laughs> I know, right? I think what it actually is in this is I am pretty sure Anna Martin was positive she was writing just somebody who didn't care about school. Yeah. And that's how mm. they are, those kids who don't care about school. Quite possibly. Mm. Um, She's got other priorities. I mean, she's pretty non judgmental about it as it mm-hmm. goes. So it's very much Claudia has other priorities. Yeah. It's not that she's stupid or whatever, it's just she's like really, I just want to be doing
2: art right yeah. now.
0: But I think in general, the series doesn't see it that way. Mm, fair. The bit where fair. she
2: says, um, uh, I'm actually quite smart, but what's the point of trying if I can't be as good as Janine? It's never going to be mm. appreciated. I think that's mm-hmm. quite telling. So that kind of puts it as a, it's a part of the whole family dynamic. Yes. And not just yeah. her own. Like, she, she just didn't see the point of putting that effort in. And I think um, that kind of makes sense under makes in the sense. context. Like, I think... Yeah, Janine is really trying in this book, but clearly they have had a lot of years of really pissing each other off. I think maybe let's not let Janine entirely (laughs) off the hook here. She does come in and kind of professor at Claudia a lot when she's like, I just want to talk about, you know, it's nice that they can bond over junk food is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. And There are definitely two of them in it, but like I said, and I think it's probably, I don't know how it is, but I'm guessing it's probably weird being... The younger sibling who's cooler than your I must ask my brother I had the younger sibling with the massively socially awkward dork of an older sibling who still feels like a can boss you around because they're older than you but also is so much less cooler that you know they're wrong about everything
2: (laughs) I'm texting my sister right now (laughs) what's that like? (laughs) I'll ask ask Rory immediately yeah
0: as as the uncool youngest sibling of like four cooler people I have nothing to contribute
1: here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have to say, I don't remember how old I was when I last read this, but I was certainly less aware of the problematic nature of the boys are mean to you because <laughs> oh they like you trope for yeah. sure. And it is just unironically bold out there, like, yeah, this is this is this is what it's like. This is why they stalk you and terrify you and are mean to you and push you mm. over and pull your hair and steal your things. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It's just because they fancy you. And then Chrissy's like, oh, okay. Yes. I'm so disappointed in Chrissy. She's Uh. (laughs) been ready to punch him in the
0: face.
2: Yeah. And she literally
0: goes like, but a boy likes me, Claudia. And Claudia's like,
2: i guess Aaron. Mm. <laughs> there's nothing as romantic as having your 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 crush your secret admirer being driven home by cops
0: <laughs> after he made you fear for your life
1: i know and the lives of the children
2: you are responsible for at 12 years old i know i can see that being cathartic but yeah not necessarily like oh he's so cute I think. And Christy's like, oh, yes,
1: my mother did tell me the boys would be mean to me if they liked me. And then Claudia's POV there. So she's all like, just mostly describing Christy as looking confused. Mm. So I could just tag that with, wow, compulsory heterosexuality is a hell of a drug.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Christy. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. Also, Trevor Sanborn. I was like, oh, that name is a blast from the past. He just goes away
1: doesn't yes. he <laughs> like- i i think so i think but i think it's pretty established that like, claudia and stacy just like a different boy every week th- isn't there a whole book about boy crazy stacy yes
2: I-, I think i remember the title and i think i never got around to reading it because i was like that is just going to be cringy i think
0: she fancies two boys over the course of it <laughs> it's not that much higher than the average crush per book rate for these books. No, it's
2: it's
1: about normal. Uh yeah.
0: Or the average crush per week rate for like adolescents yes. because puberty is also a hell of a drug.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're twelve. This yeah. is fine. Yeah, the Alan Gray stuff. So some of the, the low level pranks were generally vaguely entertaining but like it went too far yes really <laughs>
0: okay. but, well yeah so the to, to recap a bit more actual plot again i think anna martin is giving like sort of trying to stealthily give some good advice to her readers mm. so she like the girls all decide that they need to know where each other are so they christy keeps the notebook with her so that they can check up on who's where every evening and stuff so that they they know where to send help if there's a problem basically which is mm-hmm. very sensible. And, like, they should have been doing this all along, obviously. Someone should know where you are when you're working in a stranger's house.
2: Yeah. Their parents should have been
1: the ones who knew we yeah. already had it.
2: It's interesting how they call each other as well when they're in trouble. And, like, the parents are... The parents are just absent. kind of the last ones to know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is... You know, Mary Ann's dad immediately won't let her do it. And I think they all sure. realistically know that their parents will, like, shut the whole thing down. But yeah. <laughs> it's not...
1: No. It's not great. Yeah. But do you remember, like, when you kind of got yourself into a situation where you knew you'd scared yourself, and you knew that on some level you knew mm. that you it was your imagination? Like, you'd never want to tell your parents. <laughs> you'd be embarrassed, because they'd just call you on your bullshit, and on some level you knew that. <laughs> so you'd tell your friends, because they would stoke the fear and add to the drama. Like... <laughs> <laughs> because that's the thing about these kids. I'm looking at this going, and they're all so scared and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but they're loving the drama though. That's the thing. It's good to be that kind of scared. That's true. And yeah. like, like making the traps, the code with the ribbon and all this stuff. They are loving it, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's funny how Marianne is kind of... um it set up to be the scarediest of them all but she has like this incredibly practical response when she's put down to it and really like independent and you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call anyone from help not when I have cans that I could stack up in front <laughs> I, of the door. My theory
1: is that Marianne would cut a bitch. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you get Marianne's back to the wall you know you just don't know what you do. I vote her
1: most
0: likely to cut a bitch in a tight spot. <laughs> Like I love that as she she runs out of cans and she's going around the house like stockpiling different noisy objects like she just keeps going it's it's kind of amazing
2: and they they don't question this really when they come yes. home and discover they've set off all she the
0: traps the whole place
2: <laughs> they're like aha yeah that's so that's so funny well i guess you should go home now like what were you what were you fucking doing or is it just that this is the thing the parents recognize as the price they have to pay for cheap babysitting
1: Possibly, <laughs> like, yeah. don't Probably. ask what the kids are doing. Yeah. I'd imagine they're probably like, that's a bit strange, but Marianne is a very sensible girl. I'm sure she had a good reason. Like, I'm sure she had her reasons. Yeah.
2: I suppose that, that makes sense. I think also possibly there's an element of, if we in, if we have older kids to babysit, they're going to be misbehaving. The 13-year-olds are probably okay. And every now and again, there's just going to be beans all over <laughs> the like <laughs> the utility room. And you just don't ask questions about it.
0: I love David Michael, like, politely asking Marianne to turn down (laughs) the like thrash metal she's used as a burglar (laughs) what was that
2: called
1: oh hang on where did I find the the name of that because it was (laughs) I I tagged that because it was so funny
2: the slime lords I think that was it
1: I was like is this what Annette
2: Martin thought the kids were listening (laughs) to It, it kind of sounds possible it sounds very Ghostbusters inspired
1: yes was uh, Ghostbusters-inspired thrash metal a thing in the 80s?
2: Uh, somebody Google it and uh, let's... <laughs> to be
1: honest, it sounds like a real, like, 2000s thing. Like, ironic Ghostbusters-inspired thrash metal oh, sounds very much I, like a 2000s
0: just realised it's a pun on crime lords. Is it? Which makes it even more amazing.
2: Oh, right, okay. Wow. That passed me by then and also now.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, okay.
2: Well played, Anna Martin. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's just like operating on a whole other level. We just have to try and keep up.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we better make sure we're noting down all the newspaper headlines. <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> so so anyway, so Christy has this like helpful notebook with everyone's whereabouts. And then it turns out at the end that Alan and Trevor have been like stealing the notebook to check up on where the girls are gonna be so that they can prank call them. Alan yeah. was
1: stealing it. Trevor is a sensitive poet. Trevor simply asked Alan where the girls would be. <laughs> Okay, Alan is a thief, Trevor is a coward. Sorry. Let
2: That's me, the one. Get that all straightened out. It also relies on a lot of memorization and people all recollecting exactly where people were and what the numbers were. And it's all... In- I mean, I assume he's writing it down. Um, but the the girls are all um, having to memorize their own or the numbers of the houses that they're going to be at. And they seem to be calling each other at the people's houses too. Yeah. So it's a fairly encyclopedic knowledge of all the houses in Stony Brook. Oh yeah, I forget there's only 10 of them. Never mind. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's fine. They're probably all sequential anyway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, That's fair. Do you remember before we had mobiles
2: that we used to just remember people's phone numbers though? I have no capability for memorizing anything at all anymore. I just have endless notes on things the thought of being in a play horrifies me like oh god I would just I'd rather go up on stage and ad lib that's how bad it is
0: (laughs) yeah I'm doing improv because it's easier said no one
1: ever yeah (laughs) and yet um,
2: alas poor Yorick or something I don't know
1: (laughs) I never I think this is one of those things you just meant a hand wave you know that they have, maybe yeah. they have their own little like Lisa Frank uh, notebooks with the numbers written on them. I used to have a little cute notebook with everyone's phone numbers in it. I mean, Marianne definitely does. Oh, Marianne so does. Unless her dad disapproves of neon colours. That sounds like her dad. Okay, she probably has a Laura Ashley one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, her God. dad
0: definitely disapproves of neon colours. Her dad's a dick. Yeah. Her dad's got some <laughs> trauma that he really needs to address for the good yes. of everyone around him like Absolutely. yes I, i'm sorry your wife died but this has nothing to do with your daughter's hairstyle and you need
1: to fucking chill i think i had it marked down somewhere in here i think i can't remember which of the things mr spear did it was about but i just commented and it was like that's not protecting or helping anyone no it's just what are you doing
2: yeah i feel like some of his stuff as well is kind of um arbitrary parental clampdown uh for plot reasons yes yeah as well um like, the, the bit where he makes her cancel all her jobs and they have to redistribute them. Like, I can see why you would pull your kid out of that. But it was also very convenient for the narrative. Yes, <laughs> it really, like, wound up the
0: stakes nicely.
2: <laughs> and I think he's kind of relied upon to do that. Yeah. Like, if they need to take Marianne out of the equation. It's it's kind of like, um, did you guys read uh, How Not to Write a Novel? So, it's it's... It's really, really funny. But there's a bit where they talk about how um mobile phones really wreck a lot of the, the well laid plans that you have now because they could just be solved by one phone call. Um and you have to come up with ways of getting around that. Um and a good way to do this, for example, is to set your novel in the medieval period. Um <laughs> is that sometimes there are characters who might not realistically carry a mobile phone, but um do not have your heroine um a Hollywood agent say, Oh, I can't stand the things. <laughs>
0: Maybe this is why Jack Reacher refuses to learn to use a mobile. Because it would simplify oh, things. Yeah, so oh, much. Yeah, for sure. Although there's one where he painstakingly learns to text like very slowly <laughs> with a slightly younger person directing him. It's amazing.
2: I think we forget that he's approaching 70. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is he? I did not get that impression from anything you've told me about those books, but I've never read them. Well, he's a metal god okay. who doesn't
0: age Except to become sexually grey-haired, so it doesn't really yeah, matter that he's approaching seventy.
2: That's true. Gotcha. I think he was like in his late thirties or forties in the nineties, like the early nineties. Okay, so yeah, I think that's where we're um, where where we're getting to. But that's the problem with all of these like really successful detectives, yeah. um, especially the ones that were in Nam. <laughs> they are. They really need to be retiring at this point, but they're just not I Harry mean, Bosch.
1: <laughs> they need to do what. Th- and then Martin does the babysitter's club. <laughs> and just, they just stop aging. Every year there are, there's a Halloween and a Christmas and they just don't age and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, On the whole, this is just a really wholesome little story about a bunch of 12 year olds who scare themselves silly. And a couple of idiot 12 year old boys who really need to be sat down and talked to about their behavior and probably aren't. Probably <laughs> not. Well, I, I, I like the policeman
0: deliberately giving them a scare. I feel like he, he knows what's going on.
1: I like when the policeman is there and um, and Christy is also is losing her shit at Alan and then Alan is looking between Christy and the policeman like, who should I answer first? Yes. And Christy is like, me. <laughs> Christy is way more her. intimidating. She answers to I, nobody. I know. And Claudia kicks her and the policeman looks at her. But I'm like, I like to think that the policeman is looking at her going, damn right, kid. Yeah. <laughs>
2: This is a community issue, really. Yeah. You know, I'm going to facilitate. <laughs> I'm going to liaise. Exactly. <laughs> He's liaising. Speaking of things being educational, um, the whole section where she's actually calling the police, it's a script yes. for, you know, how to go about informing the authorities if you're babysitting and there's a prowler yes. and you think that you need to, you know, to get it checked out.
1: And she makes such a thing about how nice and reassuring the lady on the line is. She's like, oh, I'm sure she's trained to be. Well, like, yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd hope so. I would hope so. But yeah,
2: but she makes a big deal out of it. And the bit where um, Claudia gives her that like really effective pep talk over the phone. It's uh, Claudia talking to Christy, I think. Isn't it where she's like, you're the babysitter. You're in charge of these kids. you got to do something. <laughs> it's like, okay, right. I'm going to go. I've been spurred into action.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's very nice. Like friends being supportive and like yeah, building each other up and stuff. I'm sorry. I've been listening to a podcast about Sweet Valley all day where everyone is horrible constantly. <laughs> and like, I'm just so touched by the babysitters
1: not hating each other and constantly sabotaging each other (laughs) this book is actually full of those nice little i mean you do have like because they bicker they don't tend to fight fight and they certainly don't Mm. manipulate and backstab and stuff but like because they were having the row earlier because they were all very stressed out about Mm -hmm. the whole thing and like claudia accidentally took a job because she was the one who answered the phone and they were in the middle of a row and and they were a bit but like by the end of it stacy and claudia were helping christy get ready for the dance and they just had these moments where they actually spend time together in school where they don't hang out all four of them together but it was a christy and claudia hung out and Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah yeah Mm. it's really nice they're friends they're Mm -hmm. supporting each other like babysitters should
0: exactly just circling back to the subject of janine Mm. um because apparently like janine apologist is just my shtick now (laughs) so early on um Claudia is complaining about this time that she asked Janine to close her window. Um, And Janine said, I find it fascinating that in our society, we attempt to regulate the temperature of our environment rather than our bodies. It's so much more difficult and it's highly inefficient. Primitive peoples and peoples in various other societies today tend towards the mere addition or removal of clothing while we invite the use of heating units and air conditioners. Claudia is absolutely disgusted with this. I actually think this quote Is one of the things that like steered me towards ultimately doing an anthropology degree. When I, when I read this, I was like, I genuinely think she has a fascinating point here.
1: I remembered that for years Same. afterwards
2: as well. It's very yeah. interesting. I
1: think I would have just liked <laughs> to have been handed a really basic textbook about these things when I was reading this. Yeah. Yes. Because I was fascinated and was like, oh, no, Janine, keep talking. Yes. Claudia, don't shut her down. I want to know more. <laughs> also, Janine, that's very interesting, but I'm pretty sure any people's from any primitive peoples, etc. around the world would quite like a radiator. Just saying yeah um- <laughs>
2: Or air also, conditioning.
1: your use of the term
0: primitive peoples" is wildly problematic. But, wildly, yeah.
1: mm. but I also remember Claudia going, "Peoples? Is that even a word?" <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember coming across the word "peoples" and going, "Oh, it like is a Janine word." Said, "Yeah."
1: Every, I I still think, like Janine said, whenever I read the word "peoples," I'm not going to
2: lie. <laughs> so do I, actually. Esther, do you remember when um, I visited you in Cambridge and I went to one of your lectures because you could just kind of wander in um and it was in it was an anthropology lecture at Cambridge and it was on um heat regulation yes it's a really interesting lecture it, it was a brilliant lecture um and I remember chunks of it because I was like god this is so interesting I'm not studying anything re- remotely related to this but yeah like how you construct houses um so that air flows through them and uh therefore you can live in the desert without like dying horribly um but yeah so i, I was sitting there going oh, <laughs> this, this all vaguely reminds me of <laughs> babysitter's club <laughs> thing yeah, where...
0: janine was onto something and then later on she complains that um janine's idea of a really good book is sources of american social tradition which i googled is it real it's totally a real book it is a collection of private and public documents reflecting the lives and cultures of ordinary Americans and central issues, themes, and institutions in United States social history from 1607 to 1973. I would straight up read this, like, this sounds yeah. really interesting.
2: W- <laughs> Esther, you should just check if your dad has that. That really sounds like something he would have. <laughs> uh,
0: you're right, actually. It's very <laughs> possible he does have it. I learned the word peoples because he has like multiple books with the word peoples in the title. Blank, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we covered kind of a lot of the bases yeah. there. Um
1: we do have to do a fashion
2: report at some point.
1: The outfits mm. for... I was bitterly disappointed with the outfits for the dance because Stacy and Claudia both wore baggy jeans and sweatshirts. Yes, oh my what? God. I know, and it was like, that's... Claudia, you're letting me down here. I mean, I
0: guess I can picture the kind of, like, 80s with a big floofy perm and the boxy jeans and the boxy sweatshirt. But, like, I was hoping for something really theatrical
1: but it's just kind of quietly on trend and it's very disappointing. Like, frankly, Christie's jumper, which I'm assuming is like a pinafore dress and um, turtleneck. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Actually sounds more suitable for a dance. Yes. It's a way more viable dance <laughs> outfit.
2: What are you doing? Maybe that's the point of it. It's like, it's, Whatever your parents would look at and go, Are you really gonna wear that to the dance? I'm like, yeah, mom, I am gonna wear that to the dance. That's what I'm wearing, okay? I'm like, but it's a <laughs> I mean, okay. Should up, mom <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> Like,
1: I really want to figure Christy for the jeans and sweatshirts to the dance time
0: Yes. Yes. I guess the past really is a different country. And their yeah. fashion
1: sense is whack. <laughs> I'm I, also maybe Anna and Martin had just run out of steam. I, like it was near the end of the book. We put know. on clothes. It was fine.
2: Yeah, we wore clothes. <laughs> I think yeah, when you you know the way there was like a an 80s revival in fashion. There, mm. whether we're still in it or not.
1: No, we're in the 90s revival now.
2: Okay, but like the the kind of stuff we were wearing, I don't think really. Was 80s? I think it was like, ha ha! I am doing such a good 80s impression. But then you watch, watch like a movie that was made in the actual 80s, and you are like, oh my god, yes. yeah! <laughs> what are you wearing? Or like Degrassi. Oh, uh, yeah. yes.
0: Actually, like... the wearing baggy jeans and a new bulky sweater to the dance is. Very digressive.
2: I think we actually have to give Anna Martin more credit than like <laughs> <laughs> she didn't just get bored.
0: Anna Martin in 1986 knows more about 80s fashion than
1: us randomers in 2020.
0: Probably, yeah. It's just
1: that she normally puts so much <laughs> detail and thought in and detail into the outfits and like, yeah, yeah. especially Claudia, like, and she just is like, ooh, what wild artistic. Bullshit can Claudia come up with to wear her now? And it's fun. And then it's like jeans and sweatshirts. And you're like, I guess you looked really cool, but you also look like everyone else there. That's not like you, Claudia. Yes.
0: She literally rants about how traditional clothes are boring to put on. Yeah.
2: Maybe it's like a high stakes event and you just can't be, you know, experimenting with something that makes you look like Beetlejuice. I
1: mean, I I, I think they actually kind of did feel like that. I mean, they were like, well, we're not wearing costumes. No, 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 no. We couldn't do that. Yeah.
2: It's like, why why not wear a costume, guys? Like I would have thought Claude would be all over Halloween. I I
0: remember that stage Mm. of being a teenager, though, and being like, I'm too young to look sexy in a costume and i'm too old to wear like a toilet paper mummy costume so i'm just going to panic <laughs> and do nothing oh i just
2: yeah that right makes sense up.
1: anyway <laughs> which is also fine black sack but i did grow into a larper so yeah yeah you know we
0: may have had slightly less shame than a lot of our peers which is like one of our strengths yeah but I definitely remember there was a phase when it was like "Ooh, who'd wear a costume like that's I don't know what to wear yeah
1: where you're 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 14 and and at the probably most awkward appearing of your entire life so you can't dress up as a sexy whatever but that's the only acceptable outfit exactly if you're dressing (laughs) up is to be a sexy whatever yeah I think I just did Halloween really low-key with my local friends we were the oldest and we used to just take the other local kids around trick-or-treating like in the back roads, and then go to a bonfire in my friend's house. So, we and all the dads would pull their illegally purchased fireworks. Um, so cool, dads. <laughs> we were, yeah. Oh, my dad had no concept of health and safety. <laughs> so, we were the oldest, so no one there really cared. No, we didn't have any of our peers there to judge us. Nobody from school was there or anything. Nice. So, I could just dress up as Han Solo or Mulder and Scully with a friend of mine. Awesome. It just involved me wearing my dad's suit jacket because I always had to be the boy. I was older, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. She used rinse out red hair dye that didn't really dye her hair and wore one of her (laughs) mum's business suits. I wore my dad, I was like five foot two at this stage, and my dad was six foot and broad. It was That is wonderful. Interesting. But we made FBI badges for ourselves with pictures we cut out of the RTE guide. Oh my God, this yes. is amazing. Do you have this pictures? This is epic. My parents probably have pictures. i tell you what, when lockdown ends, okay. remind me, I'll try and find pictures. We need pictures.
0: to start like, compiling a list of things we all need to get from our parents' houses. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <ends>. <laughs> yeah, so. I know there was some, oh yes, from last, last week, it was your mom's copy of Every Woman. You have to get that. I too. actually
1: should do a list. I'm going to do a list. Do a list. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, there was one thing that came up where um, they're just kind of hanging around having the bants or whatever. And, um, oh, no, it's a phone conversation where uh, Stacey has rung up Claudia basically to give out. And Claudia is like, yeah, you know, yeah, you just got to be patient with these things. You know, you'll make friends. It's fine. You haven't been here that long. And um, Stacey says melodramatically, it's not the same as having friends. And I was like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are you talking like why do, what's what's claudia doing on the other end like you're going yes. hello why am i why am i talking to you what am i like, chopped liver what am i chopped liver who are the people that you eat lunch with every day and the other group of people that you run a small business with that you meet in a social manner regularly yeah. you know what they're not karen they're not new yorkers they're not New Yorkers, but do they not count as friends? And then I was like, oh, God, how many friends is the minimum requirement at this age? Because, like, I think kind of six or seven people is pretty good for a I don't think or... it was a quantity thing, though. I got the
1: impression, and I also think this just isn't how 12-year-olds work, but um, I got the impression it was more like she wasn't close to a lot of people. She'd have the people she'd have lunch with that she'd see at lunch, but... Mm. She wasn't going around their houses for sleepovers. They weren't sure. sharing secrets kind of thing. She maybe wasn't sure if she'd be invited to their birthday parties or not. That kind of way. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Claudia is probably her only like really close friend because she's only just getting to know the other two of the babysitters club well. Sure,
2: sure. That yeah. was
1: kind of when reading it now, I remember kind of thinking... I think 12-year-olds make friends a lot faster than that. Yeah, <laughs> But I think that's probably what they were going for, rather than not having enough friends, but more like, look, my only real yeah. Yeah. close, confident kind of friend is Claudia. And yeah, also yeah, at this yeah. stage,
0: Christy and Marianne are kind of afraid of her and not particularly good at hiding this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yes. That's true. I'm, I'm extrapolating forward, um, mm. for sure. I think of them as this cohesive unit and actually at this stage they're not at all. No. Um, they're definitely still establishing. No, you're right. <laughs> She's not just being a total pain no. in the hole. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Claudia, I have no friends. <laughs> Nobody likes me at all. Can, can you get off the phone now? We've been here for an hour. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm just scrolling through my outfit notes here. <laughs> Ooh. so claudia says i like bright colors and big patterns and funny touches such as earrings made from feathers again with the feathers mm. maybe this is because i'm an artist today for instance i'm wearing purple pants that stop just below my knees and are held up with suspenders mm-hmm. quite tights with clocks on them
1: nice what the hell i would wear those a purple mm-hmm.
0: plaid shirt with a matching hat mm. my high top sneakers and lobster earrings I kind of want lobster
1: earrings. I would wear that whole thing apart from the earrings. Yeah. Would you wear a purple plaid hat that matched your <laughs> shirt? No, actually, I
2: wouldn't. That's the bit that stands out to me. <laughs> Look,
1: I own a top hat and a bowler hat. Not for LARPing, for me, okay? But are they plaid? No, they're not plaid. I My only plaid items are like pajama pants
2: and shirts but you know that's
0: what's supposed to be plaid it's
2: true matching your hat to your shirt is a bold move I don't think I don't think that's a thing people do that seems to me like what's that horrifying oh international mail that catalog that Jezebel is always making fun of where it's like you know (laughs) this season it's going to be um a variety of colors of silk shirt with matching tie that blends into it like they would totally match their hat to their shirt but but otherwise, I don't think you're supposed to do that. I think a hat is supposed to be a separate thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair. Also,
0: like, how did she curate this? Yes. Did she buy them separately? Or were they sold like, as a set? <laughs> and which option is weirder? Honestly, it was the
1: 80s. I bet that was sold as a set.
2: <laughs> did she make them? Matching plaid hat yeah, and shirt. It's upsetting. <laughs> is the author just, like, watching MTV and taking notes? and Like, that looks like they're meant to be together. Is that, is that right? I don't know. It's... Uh, <laughs> I still think that feathers are countercultural, so, you know. <laughs> I, I, I definitely think there is
1: an element of Anna Martin going, look, I'm just going to make something up about what I think cool 12-year-olds wear. I have a feeling that Anna Martin was not cool when she was 12. That seems
2: like a possibility, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes, I I think we'd probably get on well with her. Have you
2: noticed how most um, books or media of any kind that's reminiscent about, like, teen years tend to be from the perspective of people who were not cool (laughs) as teenagers? Like, not invariably, but a lot of them. Frequently. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah,
0: I always wonder... Is that just that the people who weren't cool are the most likely to become, like, writers and whatnot? Yes,
2: writers. Is it just
0: that <laughs> nobody feels they were cool? Like I think it's a combo. Is it the Romy and Michelle thing where everyone seemed cooler to someone else and no one actually felt confident mm. in their coolness? I think it's
1: probably a combo. I mean, I think there was probably a small number of people in any given school or whatever who knew that they were the shit. Probably didn't become writers. And I think there was a whole bunch of other people who, most people just went, oh, that's just a perfectly normal person who thought of themselves as being this awkward, unlikable, dork, blah, 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 that no one actually paid enough attention to to tell what they were or not. They were just another person and actually they were fine. And I reckon that's probably where most of those people came from. They felt worse than they were, but they also weren't the cool kids TM. Yeah. They were just the kids that makes sense
2: yeah I I definitely remember secondary school and being definitely not part of the popular crowd but on the other hand there were a fuck ton of us in our crowd yeah we were
1: just a very large crowd of dorks that's nice (laughs) (laughs) it was great there's just so (laughs) many of us I had my kind of my people were mostly outside school they were in the same school as me we didn't hang out in school we're in different years different classes just didn't see each other but yeah, I didn't get that in school. In school, I went from being no, noticeably dorky to the extent that I got bullied for my inability to act like a normal person. Mm. I guess it's not the ideal way to learn how to act like a normal person, but, you know, I got there, kind of, to a degree. Then after I was about 15 or so, kind of, I was just another person, you know, and it was fine. And I think I still, it took me a couple of years to realize that people weren't looking at me and seeing me as an object of contempt. Um, like yeah. maybe they did when I was 13 14 mm-hmm. not my absolute most awkward with a three inch thick fringe and you know glasses that had gone out of fashion two years be- before that my mother said were perfectly good and she wouldn't replace and you know but um mm. so I reckon there's probably a lot of people who were similar maybe had had six awkward months and just assumed that that was what everyone thought of them forever
0: yeah that's quite possible mm. I do remember trying to explain to my mum. That I wasn't popular even though I had this group of friends and she'd be like but you, that doesn't make any sense popular means you have a group of friends so it's like but none of us are popular you don't understand
2: somebody who I was talking to years later from our school actually said to me yeah you were mates with a bunch of really snooty people and I was like what <laughs> Yeah, I think I need to try and remember who that was because that's a that's a confusing thing. But yeah, I think it does support the fact yeah. that we all see each other. I think very so. Differently yes. <laughs> from how other people, I,
0: I did tell my nieces a while ago that like they're very cool, and that if I had gone to school at the same time as them, I would have been incredibly intimidated by them mm-hmm. because like they know mm-hmm. how to do a good smoky eye and stuff. Yeah, fair. Um, they're just they're, <laughs> they're, they're proper ladies um yeah <laughs> and they were absolutely floored they were like what but you were you you must have been so cool when you were at oh, school because no. you were like all an alternative and stuff and I was like no none of that was on purpose <laughs> <laughs> it's <was> just a tour." <laughs> and like yeah we had these completely different images of ourselves and each other and like They're still kind of intimidating. They're very nice, but they're very intimidating because they're competent.
1: (laughs) I remember when I was about 19, 20, I was babysitting. So I kept babysitting to college because I didn't want a real job. And I was babysitting kids. She would have been babysitting since I was about 16, 17. She was probably about 10, 11. So just getting that tween, getting into the real bitchy shit phase. And she was talking about some kid at school. And I was just feeling so sorry for this kid, the way she was talking about her. Obviously, her, my in charge and her friends had been bullying this kid. I remember sitting there down and being like, this isn't, you can't treat her like that. Like, that's not fair. I know she's a dork. When I was 10, I was a dork. But you're so cool. You couldn't have been a dork. And I was like, I was just like that girl. And people who treated me like the way you're talking about her. It made me miserable. She's a person. (laughs) I don't know if it ever got through to her. I think she just didn't believe me because I wore trousers (laughs) with legs wider than her mother would allow her to purchase. (laughs) <laughs> the ultimate and cool yeah
0: god I miss giant trousers though <laughs>
1: <laughs> now that I live in the west of Ireland where it's constantly raining I do not
2: because the capillary action is not your friend I fell out of love with giant trousers which I was wearing long after the point where they were fashionable when I was um, I was crossing Dame Street in town and I fell in the middle of the crossing um just as like the cars were starting to go Ah. because i i caught my toe in the tip of my flare and i fell over and skinned my knee and had to be helped up by an old lady who was like all right and nearly got run over all in the same incident um and after that i was like yeah i guess i'll try this whole like skinny style (laughs) that i've been resisting for many years now
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. One thing. Remember when they were in the garden and reading the, the paper and then they all got really panicked reading about the Phantom Caller mm. uh, moving closer to Stony Brook or whatever. And they all, we have to have an emergency meeting of the Babysitter's Club right now. Which means going to Claudia's room. They all go to Claudia's bedroom. It's like, you could have had it there, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you were already all together. Is this the bit where they establish that Claudia yeah. occasionally yeah. takes a job without thinking about it? Good yeah, point. So- it's it's all it's all they about have to the be plush. Near the phone for the phone. Yeah, that to true, happen.
1: true. Oh maybe it is anyway. I just thought it was funny. It is hilarious.
2: Yes, it is very funny. Again,
1: yeah. they're just being dramatic for the sake of it. They really are. But I think this one is more of a we need to be official and do it right because we are serious business owners and I love it because they're twelve and it's adorable.
2: Yes. <laughs> Marianne, get the book. Write in the book. Yes, Christy. Okay. <laughs> I'll do whatever you say. Also it was like the the, the subject of boys
1: kept coming up instead. Christy started it. I just have a note going, sounds fake, but okay.
2: <laughs> I bet Marianne is just writing down all the boy comments as well. She's like, yeah. I just, I don't know when I'm allowed to stop. Yeah. So I'm just going to make a note of everything that's here.
1: Christy described the various crimes of Alan
0: Gray. <laughs> yes, brain. actually, I love the description of the prank war. It's amazing.
1: It actually is. Um Mm-hmm. Like Christy
0: planting a fake lunch for him to steal that turns out to be full of dead spiders yeah, is baroque and deranged. <laughs> I mean, it.
1: I think if the whole Alan Gray plotline was going to be handled better, it would have been like, oh, yeah, Christy, I just make fun of her because she was in my class and I'm a jerk. But after she played that prank on me. I was like, wow, this is someone who I could absolutely cause havoc with.
2: Yeah. And
1: how he wanted, like, if they had <laughs> given him any kind of a personality other than is really annoying, that would have been great. That would have been a good way to do it. I yeah. do kind
0: of want an AU where they, like, platonically team up to just fuck with people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it
2: would be amazing. I think they actually do develop this because i I remember her going to a dance with him dressed as a lobster. I don't know what book that occurs in but there's definitely a lobster costume at some point Was it
1: with Alan Gray or was that when she was going with Bart who had the rival softball team Oh god I thought it was Alan Ring in a bell but I'm not in kind of detail
0: It's mm. terrible I've never been able to picture Bart as a human boy <laughs> He has always been no. Bart Simpson No <laughs> Oh my god Just like crudely photoshopped into a setting of actual humans <laughs>
2: The humans are pretty sketchily drawn in my head as well. Can
1: we talk about the covers?
2: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I think all of us have thought, looking at the UK covers... What? Okay, so at some stage the artist has had a human face described to them. Yes! (laughs) Um, And also, they have never seen a colour photograph or met anybody from Japan. But somebody did tell them about geishas once, so they think they're just white like a sheet of paper. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's either that or because on the covers, the white
0: girls all have like skin tones coloured on their faces, like they have pink Badly, cheeks, and but like, they're there. shading where there's shading yeah. and stuff. Claudia's face is just left blank. Yes, it's just literally white. Yeah, mm. so yes, it's either mm-hmm. they thought Geisha's skin colour is naturally that white. Or they just panicked because they didn't know how to colour it in in a non-racist way, and just decided not to even try.
1: Imagine somebody sitting there going, "Maybe I just... Maybe I just won't." It's not this, but I don't know what it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Much later on in the series, when they're asked to draw Bart, um, Anna Martin is like, "It's literally Bart Simpson. This is this is a copyright infringement." And that's only the first part of what's wrong with this image.
1: Anna Martin never saw the UK covers. I would say,
2: no, that's true. That is that is one hundred percent true. She wouldn't. have signed I think she off saw the them. UK
0: covers. She would have stopped writing.
1: They're they're that bad. <laughs> the, the American ones are photorealistic, uh, more photorealistic, kind of cutesy looking, like kids. Kids from a really boring clothes catalogue kind of a thing. Like, perfectly un- unobjectionable.
2: Yeah. They they look like stills from the, yeah, the equivalent, um you know, TV They're show. they
0: mainstream images by a competent artist. <laughs> the yeah. UK covers yeah. are not by a uh, human.
1: I remember that being a thing with books, though, in the 80s and 90s. Like, kids' books, covers, they, like, would just get someone midway through the GCSE to do them or something I don't know why but yes we didn't get to have like I because I was always one for judging books by the cover um and still am and I just remember going through the local library and so many books I would reject because everyone looked ugly on the cover and (laughs) and then I would generally read the blurb and get them out because I you know but yeah it was just a thing of they just kind of went oh who'll do it for a tenner and a bag of crisps I think (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, these are clearly, like, someone at Scholastic had a nephew who liked to draw in his spare time. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. Christy
0: looks 45, yeah. and, like, she has seen yeah. some shit. <laughs> Marianne and Stacey both look about four. They look like they're being babysat, <laughs> and Claudia is a benevolent yeah. ghost. It's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're describing, you have to stop listening and Google this now because like words cannot do the justice
1: babysitters club u k covers just do it
0: they're so bad they're aggressively bad
2: it does have a vibe of um do you know the way the uh there there was a kid in your school who um was like moderately talented at drawing mm. and kind of known for it and mm. got given the um the yearbook cover yes. Which by the way, I just want to say is not what happened in our school because um the person who did the yearbook cover could really draw. Who was it? Moving on. <laughs> Take it someone
1: you knew anyway. Um Well yeah, no, it was exactly <laughs> like that. Um and that's that's why yes. I was kind of someone mid-art GCSE was given this.
0: Sorry, I'm just yeah. I have to make it like a digression. My one of my nephews at his, during his time at school was mm-hmm. that kid. And he went through a phase of being paid by the other kids to draw dicks on their homework journals. He, He was known as the guy you went to if you wanted a good dick drawn on your stuff. And he would charge like two euro per dick. And then Bebo launched and he would take money to draw a dick on your Bebo wall. That's amazing. Entrepreneurial. Artistic, I mean, yeah, he was the Christie of teenage boys. <laughs> he had a business idea and he went with it.
2: I'm sure that you could get an anthropology paper. Out yeah, of
0: that yeah. I, I mean, know. he went to NCAD in the end, and he's done well for himself. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How much does he charge for a dick these days? That's
0: a good question. <laughs> I mean, they're probably high-end screen-printed dicks now, so I have to assume his rates have gone up.
1: (laughs) Well, it's good. He should value himself as an artist, you know. Exactly. Pay artists to draw dicks on your (laughs) (laughs) stationery. So anyway, this chapter where it's like the whole, oh, they're all talking about boys and Christy just complains about Alan Gray for like seven pages or whatever. And then she accidentally lets slip that Sam is seeing another girl and breaks Daisy's heart. But the description of the other girl is amazing. Yeah, She's a freshman in high school. She had spiky yellow hair with green stuff at the ends. Yes. I'm assuming by stuff she means dye.
0: Yeah. It's not an obscure term.
1: Yes. And these little lace gloves with the fingertips cut out.
2: She sounds like Cindy Lauper. She does. And she sounds amazing. I know, she sounds so cool. So, why is she going out with a 14-year-old? Sam is also a freshman in high school. Oh, they're, okay, they're in the same year.
1: That's why I'm, like, really freaked out the implications of Sam actually likes Stacey. I mean, I don't know any 14-year-olds kind of in high school who would be like, oh, she's not even in the last year of middle school. Yeah, like, she's 12. When you're 14, a 12-year-old is, no. an infant. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Sam is a bit weird. And thankfully, it never goes anywhere. I
2: think even at the time I read that as something that they were both sort of like, it was it was one of those crushes that people have. I don't know. Maybe this is just me having this type of crush explained to me by other people and being like, oh, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen, though. <laughs> you know, like, You're undying love for this girl. Oh, that's, that's just very fictional. <laughs> I think that's
1: just how I thought all crushes were. I, I didn't do anything about any crush until I was in college. I was just like, oh, well, fancying someone is when you, like, stare at them as they pass you in the halls and they don't know what your name is. That's <laughs> that's, that's attraction.
2: That's how the human race reproduces.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I knew for other people there was more involved, but I was pretty sure. And it didn't bother me. I, I was very convinced that, like, just having crushes, media had made it very clear to me that having crushes made you an absolute idiot. So obviously, I would never introduce myself to anyone on whom I had a crush.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really went the other way. I was like, I'm a feminist. I'm a modern, liberated young woman and I'm going to ask boys out. So I would like just awkwardly ask out whatever boy I fancied. And they were all gay. So it was... <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, one of them did go out with me for like five months, but he was very much gay. Um, <laughs> uh, and all the others were like, no, sorry. Only many years later did I piece together that, like, oh, they were they were all gay. That probably didn't help at the time. I thought it was just my acne, but like,
2: <laughs> there were bigger issues at play. This is that thing I was saying the other day, where like, um, your your sense that this boy is different. There's something yes. just he's just better than the others, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I know. And it's just <laughs> gaydar. Fair. <laughs> yeah, we we kind of gravitated towards yeah. them. <laughs> there are worse ways of picking guys to have crushes on because they're probably not going to break your heart any worse than they could do (laughs) by just saying a polite no so you know (laughs) that's very true whatever by the time I had a crush on somebody I actually like spent time with it was like
1: a girl who I didn't realize that that was a crush for quite some time and then I was mostly oh fuck but we're best friends, so I'm never going to say anything ever. I think I, I said something 10 years later. I was like, oh, my God, when I was 17, I fancied you. Uh, uh, the stereotypical bisexual disaster. Oh, 100%, yes. Equally incompetent <laughs> with all genders. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: I, I do remember having a crush on someone whose name I didn't know, and they had sort of shoulder-length hair, and I was like, I definitely fancy this person, but I don't know if they're a girl or a boy. So I don't know what to think about this. And then it turned out he was just like an indie kid with long hair. And I was like, brilliant. I don't have to think about this for for a while. I can just like bury this.
1: Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I have to say the 1994 movie Hackers did a lot for my... inability to keep burying this I've
0: heard that about that movie a lot
1: but yeah I think that's also definitely informing part of my really, Christy's the one to bring up boys, okay, uh, in this book Um, (laughs) let us perform heterosexuality
2: yeah, as is traditional In a jumper. That's what one wears to perform heterosexuality, isn't it? A plaid jumper. I feel like Claude is performing heterosexuality very effectively, but I'm just not going to (laughs) wear tights with clocks on them and a plaid hat.
1: Maybe, maybe that was what like girls in the 80s whose parents were dressing them very young wore. But like, I was actually like a tiny child in 1986, 87. And I wasn't wearing plaid friggin' pinafores and turtlenecks. Well, I was sometimes, but I was also wearing like a green tracksuit with numbers on it. And, you know, little jeans with fish on the turnips and like...
0: I think I did wear a plaid pinafore with possibly a white turtleneck for my bat mitzvah. But I didn't then reuse it as a disco outfit. Exactly. You wouldn't wear it to a dance. (laughs) Yes. Even I could distinguish between the two.
2: The thing where they're like casually wearing white blouses, it seems weird to me that the only thing you can think to wear when you have complete control over it is a blouse. Like a work shirt. That's so formal. Yeah. And uncomfortable. Yes. There are so many things you could wear. It's almost that... certainly polyester too. Oh. I think it's just like, okay, but why aren't you just in a t-shirt?
1: You're a child. You don't have a school uniform. Yes. <laughs> like if Claudia can get away with wearing the stuff she wears. You can wear a t-shirt and jeans. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I did go through a phase of liking to wear kind of, unless you got them like random hand-me-down bits, but like dresses and pinafores and stuff, or fun at home. But that was because I was in my head pretending it was the olden days the whole time. Like, it was to fit in with my own little personal one-person LARP that I was doing constantly. So, I'm sure my parents were like, ah, I see (laughs) Aoife is becoming more feminine, but they were wrong. I was LARPing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) amazing i suppose in a way aren't we all doing a one person that's true all gender is (laughs) drag baby true
1: yes that's why i wear nothing but hoodies and the trousers i found on my floor that's genderless yes (laughs) i don't have a good way to lead into this but we
0: have to talk about claudia's erotic fantasy of being lost in a hedge maze with trevor (laughs) oh my god i'd forgotten about that yeah (laughs) oh bless (laughs) Even yeah. by the standards of, like, <laughs> tween romantic fantasies is really incoherent. So she dreams that they're visiting a colonial mansion in somewhere called Witherby. And she and Trevor go out to the hedge maze and they reach a dead end together. And then they realize it's snowing, even though it's June. <laughs> yeah, that was it. "'Hey, what's that?' says Trevor. "'He points to a little wooden door hidden in the bushes. "'I don't know,' I reply. "'Let's see. "'Maybe we can get out of the snow for a while. "'We open the door and find ourselves in another world. "'The snow is gone, and so are the maze, "'the Bradford Mansion, and the other kids. "'We're no longer in Wutherby. "'For all I know, we're not even on Earth. "'Maybe we're in the fourth dimension.' "'What the fuck does that even mean?' Claudia doesn't know. Wherever we are, we're alone (laughs) together. Then she says she's never been able to finish this daydream because the teachers keep waking her up from it. I mean, even she doesn't know where it
1: goes from here. I I honestly think she genuinely doesn't
2: really want to know
1: where it goes from there.
2: She just has no idea where it might go. I mean,
1: I'm pretty sure, like, in terms of she's probably had some kind of sex ed, but also, she's twelve. She probably actually doesn't want to envision herself. <laughs> kind of, but is aware. Like, why is why this bizarre, elaborate scene setting? Why is it snowing in June? Only for them to then leave the snow. Skip straight to the bit where you and Trevor Sandburn are, are alone. If you really want to find out what happens next, instead of starting with the colonial mansion in Wuthering. Yes, this
2: is unnecessary context. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, like you said earlier about how um the yeah. drama is part of the fun. The build-up and the, let's have some snow. <laughs> Snow's romantic. <laughs> yeah. So are tiny doors. I gotta say, yeah, I, I have a bunch of recurring dreams that are not, it's not the same thing every time, but it's something really similar. And one of them that I get fairly often is um just this lengthy going somewhere. And it's I like quite often I'll be like, Oh, I'm on a train this time. Great. Where I'm going to meet my secret lover. <laughs> who I've never yet met. And that's because I don't have a secret lover. And my brain doesn't want to generate one for me because it's lazy. So it's just i'm just traveling in to see him. i'm like oh you know i'm in a little seaside town somewhere maybe i'll meet him this time nope that's very monogamous of your brain i have to yeah. say yeah <laughs> anyway sorry that derailed the um the that's baby okay. conversation this is
0: this <laughs> is a derailing i talked about my nephew's dick drawing career like, <laughs> we're, we're off the rails anyway we do not have laser like focus here and that's fine <laughs>
2: One thing I liked actually was um, the Phantom Caller mystery was not entirely wound up. So, somebody burgled Claudia's next door neighbor mm. and they never found out who that was. And I think that's kind of a nice touch to a mystery where there's just a little bit, they were like, hmm, you know, that was left unexplained. Yeah. It's just
1: a loose end. Yeah. And it's like, mm, there are still bad things out there. It's just probably not going to get
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> it might get your next door neighbors, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, they thought that was like a copycat. Yeah. Uh yeah, copycat bird Only oh, no, he screwed up because mm. he didn't go to
0: a posh enough neighbourhood. So that was how they figured out it was a copycat.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like they needed to go to Watson's neighborhood. Come yes, on. What exactly. Are you doing? There's a
0: rich neighborhood right there. Mm.
1: Like two <laughs> blocks from the poor neighborhood. Come on.
0: Yeah, this, this is a very small town.
1: <laughs> I remember like being really impressed by how Because they were kept going on about being a small town, but mm. like I actually lived a mile outside a small town in Ireland. I mean, like this town has a cinema. This town appears to have a bowling alley.
2: <laughs> a mall. This town it has, has a, mall. a mall. That's within cycling distance, so.
1: It has
0: infinite babies.
1: My town got a Chinese takeaway in 1995. <laughs> Before then, all it had was uh, two shops, a post office, and three pubs, and a hairdressers <laughs> which closed down and became the Chinese takeaway. <laughs>
2: priorities. Oh, and
1: a bookie. But like, I was like, this is what I was thinking of as a small town. I think a lot of American media threw me like that because, I mean, I'm sure that actually what it, they were writing was whatever was narratively convenient would be in the yeah. town. Mm-hmm. So all towns would have a skating rink and a mall and uh, a cinema and a swimming pool or whatever. So it's
0: basically the size of like Cork City or something.
1: That's
2: what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, whereas I would just be like, so you to the idea that I could not do anything without going to another town. My town didn't have a library, you know, like mm-hmm. it didn't have anything. Yeah. I had to drive, my mother had to drive me to another town in order for me to do any activities Mm -hmm. that weren't being in a field. And
0: I mean, there are bajillion places like that in America, too.
1: Yeah. I know. I mean, I now know that it's just, yeah, when they're writing about a small town or a movie, they just give it whatever it needs for the storyline. But like, I think at the time, I remember just thinking, why is everywhere in America better? (laughs) because it's fictional i then learned things about america but you know
2: <laughs> yeah 80s anna martin era america with a good dose of 60s nostalgia <laughs> thrown in that was uh, is, uh... one of
1: the scenes in the good omens novel that just spoke to me when i read it when i was about like 19 or so 20 and it's these kids in britain in the late 80s or early 90s whenever it was written about 1990 and they're sitting there and they're talking about ice cream flavors and someone's like i heard in america there's 49 flavors of ice cream (laughs) well i bet there are in america though i remember i remember having those discussions with people in school and it's like oh that's not real those don't exist they do they have them in america and you'd be like oh yeah they probably do though though right because america they have everything in america if you can imagine it it's in america (laughs) And I think these kind of books and the fact that they would write small town and I would be like, ah, like Lusk. Mm. And then it would would have a a swimming pool or a skating rink or whatever. And Mm. I'd be like, what? Lusk doesn't have those things. Just hammered that home to me very much so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I keep saying college town because the first place I ever visited in the States um, was not, you know, New York or L.A. or somewhere. The usual places that you go for your first time. It was Eugene, Oregon. And like, yeah, one of the other conference attendees was like, oh, I'll show you the place. What do you want to do? And I was like, there's an international house of pancakes here. Are, can we, can we go, can we go to that? She was like, yes, we can, we can go to IHOP. <laughs> I'll take you. <laughs> so i was like it's it's just um i think there may have been an episode of sabrina that maybe yeah. wanted the pancake episode <laughs> can i
1: please can i please yes. experience the exotic <laughs> cuisine of your people i've read so much about it but <laughs> well, it's true though
0: yeah i was very excited when my cousin took me to chipotle i was like wow i'm i'm like a person on the internet now
2: <laughs> wow we're, we're i'm sorry i think i, I derailed, derailed this again this. i'm drinking quite a lot of wine you guys are like uh, no, I,
1: I, finished I, I finished my wine uh <laughs> no we're all one glass of wine in it's just a matter of who's the worst lightweight
0: i'm enjoying watching karen periodically (laughs) refuel (laughs) there i'll
2: just get a big straw for the next one so i can like stay here and maintain my my demeanor and then
0: we can also use it for an asmr podcast
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh god
1: (laughs) do we have anything else to say about claudia and the phantom caller i would actually probably read a book about marianne's dad yes like, that wasn't written from the perspective of the 12-year-old who he forces to wear her hair in plaits. Um, and, like, bans her from talking about anything on the phone except homework after supper. Who does that benefit? Nobody.
0: I don't know. I can see that as, like, an old-school dad who, who thinks the phone is for serious business. Like, we, we had this friend, one of the gay guys that I had a crush on, <laughs> Um, who I used to have really long phone chats with in the evenings and they would invariably be broken up by his dad in the back end saying, get off the phone. The phone is not for chatting. You say, hello, who are you? State your business. What do you want? Goodbye. That's all. Why are you on the phone for two hours? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my dad had a similar attitude, but that was just because he was having to pay the phone bill. Well, we would go through itemized bill with highlighters and then he would tell us how much we owed him. Oh my goodness.
0: That is hardcore dad.
1: Oh no, 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 we we, at, uh, we had 200 pound phone bill once. When, when
0: my brother ran up a 200 pound phone bill, we got a pay phone in the house. It was the worst thing ever. That was going to be the next step if we didn't pay. When my brother accidentally broke it, my parents <gasps> did the worst imitation of being annoyed ever. They were like, oh, how could you be so clumsy? This is terrible. Well, it'd be a real pain to get another one. So let's just get a normal phone now but we're very (laughs) mad at you young man
1: (laughs) yeah i think that there was a false threat from mine but no we had to go through and um i can see why and also when it was the only line to the house it's like what if somebody what what if something actually happens and someone's trying to get through to us
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. i think um marianne's portrayal of her father is a bit more sympathetic than the other um which is quite a Sophisticated handling yeah. of the whole thing, really. Um, because like obviously he's her dad, and she like I I think like it's established that she loves him, and she sort of understands that he's a bit overprotective or whatever. Um, uh, even though she's not like delighted by all the the stuff, I think it's it's more like. For them, they just can't understand why he's being so inconvenient yes. yeah. to, you know, the club. Why doesn't he understand running that business capitalism here. is so important? No. <laughs> it's,
0: it's the Reagan era. Does he
2: not understand about trickle-down economics? Money, money, money. So, where dad's actually,
1: a raving hi- hippie. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think
2: I was like that as
1: well. I, my, parent, my, my friend's parents had different rules than mine. And if they were tighter, yeah. I would just be like... God, what a reasonable tyrant,
2: you know? (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I get it. Actually, at the end of the day, if there is some kind of prowler type of person breaking into houses in the local area, I could sort of understand why you might tell your teenage daughter who is like, she's not even a teenager yet? Actually, yeah. Like, that, that seems... Reasonable. It enough. was
1: Claudia's perspective. It was Claudia's perspective saying it's dangerous. she was on the phone talking about something that wasn't homework, so he banned her from babysitting. Whereas probably it was like, you're frightening yourself about this, <laughs> pr- pr- this. crime Probably more. You're, you're, you're driving yourself up the wall worrying about this prowler. If there really is a prowler, frankly, you shouldn't be out babysitting. And even if there isn't a prowler... You're a literal child. You're 12. You're a literal <laughs> child and you're driving yourself frantic yeah. being frightened of a prowler. Just no babysitting. I think Marianne Stop.
0: has like all the emotional intelligence of the entire club.
1: <laughs> In terms of a D&D character, I think she's just what got really high whiz and insight um, but unfortunately she's got kind of low charisma, so no she, one listens to her when she's, when she's telling them, like, no, really, this is how it is. Like, just no one pays
2: attention to her. But Aoife, mm-hmm. she's the first one to get a steady boyfriend, as we are informed for the 50 books oh, or so after it are actually you,
1: happens. I'm, I'm not yet being driven bananas by the really subtle weaving into the plot and storyline <gasps> of the recapping yes. of who all of these characters are. Um
2: but it's <laughs> but we'll get it's there. It's going to for make this. me absolutely bananas very soon. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, reading the first book and going, "Oh yeah, of course, it's not here. We don't have to recap anything yet. We're just establishing it for the first time." And then in this book, it's it's short and it is quite well integrated mm. into it. But pretty soon we're going to be like chapter three is where we establish that Stacey has diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yep. Oh. Yeah. Ah, good times.
1: I wanted yeah. handwriting like Stacy, like uh, I just so bad. I wanted handwriting like that so much, but I could never do it.
2: There's a, um, I got it as a present when I was younger. One of the special tie-in mm-hmm. editions, um, where uh, I can't remember what the yeah. n- narrative was, but um, it was a a hardback Babysitters Club book that had um, them all writing letters. I think it was mm-hmm. a chain letter um so they each had to write each other a letter with um uh with like a secret in it but they had actual physical letters in it that were uh done oh, in each so of cool. handwriting awesome. um god actually this explains a lot about what i currently want <laughs> to be quite honest <laughs> so yes i'm an academic and i'm um i've i've drifted from, like, contemporary stuff in English literature, like, just back further and further in time. And now I'm, like, firmly immersed in uh, the kind of early 19th century. And who knows how far back it's going to go, but it's all letters lately. Um, I'm like, yeah, this makes so much sense. Um, Like, these beautiful facsimiles of, like, Jesse's handwriting that you could pull out of the envelope and put it back in when you were done. Oh, it was really nice. I wonder if that's at my parents' house. I'll have to ask. Put on the list.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, we have pretty much covered everything I had... Noted. Except that Christy knows how to whistle with two fingers in her mouth.
1: That's, oh, that skills. Yeah. I mean, it's I alchemy. learned to whistle. I also learned how to whistle through my teeth, but do a tune. So you couldn't see who was whistling. Cause I saw a boy doing it when I was in like first year of secondary school. And I was like, he's whistling oh, a tune yeah. through his teeth. You can do that. And I practiced. Same with raising one eyebrow. I just practiced it until I could do it. Because I mean, why put that effort <laughs> into homework, right?
2: Life skills.
0: <laughs> this is what people did before the internet. This is why we invented the internet.
1: I didn't have a tumbler. I learned to raise one eyebrow, okay, instead. <laughs> Whistle us a tune there. That is my uncanny. God. Yeah, so I'm just grinning. Um, this is a podcast. You, I could have been whistling my lips first. <laughs> I was not. I was whistling through my teeth. Yep, I, I do I the confirm. tune by moving my tongue.
2: It's a skill. That's That's also quite terrifying to be quite honest I know
1: really want quality street um but there you
2: go it was a little frightening
0: but I'm very impressed that was
2: that would be a great horror movie scene where you're just like sharpening a large knife in front of somebody who's tied to a chair and singing that And like... because
1: you have to keep a kind of fixed grin as you do it so yeah it does work um yes. and that was basically yeah because I saw I was waiting for the school bus and there's this older boy you got the bus and I was like, "Who's whistling a tune?" and I saw his face, and I was like, "That's the face I make when I whistle through my teeth." Oh, you can do that, and I learned how. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing.
2: Yeah, kids these days—they don't know how to do any of this stuff. Oh no, there. but they do. They do. They probably do. They do, and they put it on TikTok. They do it for TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eva <Yeah. laughs> put that on I TikTok. I don't have a
1: TikTok. I'm 37. Make a TikTok. You I could don't have know a TikTok. We're all fine is that an app I, i'm assuming it's an app it's probably an app i think we probably should give up on the podcast guys and become tiktokers you mean no <laughs> i mean on this episode supposed supposed to narrating me using like the app store to get a tiktok to get the tiktok app which is what i'm about to do okay i don't know this is edgier seat stuff yeah, Rick has just informed me that none of this is being is going to be in the final cut. I think he might be making the unilateral, unilateral editorial decision here.
2: Rick is just going to snip it halfway through. Rick is only <laughs> an honorary like... member; he doesn't get a vote. Ooh, he's a, yeah, he's an, he's alter an alternate sitter. That... Yeah.
1: Oh no! Oh no! TikTok is making me choose my interests. Oh, there's a skip button. Thank God. No, you're not sending me notifications. You can. I think
2: <laughs> maybe we should wind this up. <laughs> Or not, I guess we could record it for post Allow access
1: to camera, okay. <laughs> Allow access to microphone, okay. Where's the switchy <laughs> camera button? There we go. Oh, I look so much worse on this camera than I do on the screen. <laughs> um, it's fine, there will be filters. <laughs> They're getting applied. I'm not doing this. <laughs> it really sounds like you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've put my phone away now. It's not happening.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: We need to come up with some kind of a snappy ending as well, I guess. What
1: lessons did we learn from this?
0: We learned how to call 911. Make sure someone mm-hmm. knows where you are when you're working in
1: a stranger's home as a child. Well, I mean, you know, we just that's fine. This is just the world we live in. Uh the world of babysitters the club live in. Um that sometimes you're just fucking overreacting, kid. People would be nice to you if you weren't a raging bitch to them. Yeah, all the time. specifically your relatives, I think. And also, it's Fine if a boy harasses you, steals your things, commits minor assault, makes you unhappy, calls you names in front of the whole class. It's because he likes you and you should go to the dance with him.
0: And all I can say in response to that is, thank God those days are over. We finished? (laughs) Yeah, that's our sign off. Gosh! (laughs) I was sort of using it to wind it up, but I guess I kind of (laughs) thought we'd say literal goodbyes then. But apparently not. This is so professional.